0: Welcome to the Favorites, the podcast from the Action Network. I am Chad Millman, flying solo today. It's the middle of July, the week after July 4th, and uh, which means we're like so close to college football, you can smell the grass and see the grass stain. So um, that's what we're doing today, a big, excuse me, big college football day. Uh, what I want to say is that, Leader in the show, Colin Wilson from the Action Network, is coming on. He's our college football expert. He has been talking about college football since March. He has been writing about it uh, nonstop since March. He's got so many uh, stories up about AAC win totals, the five FBS bets I'm making right now, the futures bets that he's made. We're going to talk about all that. First up, what are the most talented and creative people? In the sporting landscape, Drew Franklin, Kentucky Sports Radio, at Drew Franklin, KSR. First time on the podcast, brother.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that kind intro. Are you that complimentary of all your guests? No.
0: So you no. put it on my resume. No, not at all. But you know what? You guys did amazing stuff. Uh, you and Matt Jones, your colleague there at Kentucky Sports Radio, founder of Kentucky Sports Radio, did amazing stuff with us during uh, March Madness. You did phenomenal videos. You personally wrote a bunch of stories, and um, you know, I think of you as like the the legit sharp, better of the duo. So oh, uh, that's why I'm glad to have you on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, and I've got the receipts to back that up. If we're going to compare numbers between uh, Matt and myself, I'm, I'm definitely the sharp of the KSR group.
0: Sharper, um, more handsome, uh, better beard.
1: Yeah, just keep going. Let's just make the whole podcast
0: about me. That's, Let's do it. Let's do I, it. I like all these. Yeah. What I love that you guys do is you guys go on like, you, you guys do a tour of the state. Like the, the, the way that Kentucky Sports Radio, and Matt's talked about this on the podcast, has sort of become the most important thing in sports radio, and if not all of sort of Kentucky-focused media in the state is phenomenal. Um, where have you been? Where are you now? Where are you going?
1: Well, we're just getting started this week, but we are doing a five-week tour with our radio show where we will be in a different county every day. Uh, tomorrow morning, I have a three-hour drive to get to Muhlenberg County on the western side of the state, then have to drive four hours to northern Kentucky, and then the next morning, five hours even further west to Murray, Kentucky, and that that's probably our next two months is every morning we're popping up in different parts of the state, and we do our live two-hour morning show. and. Usually get good crowds, and it's just good to get out. And, you know, when we're blabbing on the radio, we're talking on a microphone. It's good to get out and meet the people who are listening on the other end. So that's uh, what we're up to next month or so.
0: So who does the driving? <laughs> well,
1: it, it, we're all in one car. Matt definitely drives. None of us gets touched touch the wheel. He'll drive every minute. But due to a lot of our schedules, some of these we end up taking three separate cars for three people. So it's a little ridiculous on the planning. Uh, a lot of miles going on the, the
0: KSR gas card. Which Kentucky County has the best food?
1: Ooh, the best food. Putting me on the spot. I think they're all good. I like when we get off on these small towns we've never been to, and there's just like a mom-and-pop diner, the little grocery store cafe that no one's ever heard of. Anytime you see one of those, they're going to have the best food, wherever it is in the state.
0: Which Kentucky County has the best bourbon?
1: Uh... Well, we've got the Bourbon Trail that covers a couple of counties, uh, that, that whole area. Any, anyone listening that ever comes to Kentucky, just get in the car and hit them all. It, it's a great area right here. Flint county, Woodford County, Bourbon County, Fayette County. Lots of fun with the, uh, with the bourbon here. I might even recommend Ubering if you try to do the whole day.
0: <laughs> it's probably a good idea. Uh, which Kentucky County has the best bookie?
1: I don't speak, you know, they don't let us gamble here in Kentucky, so I don't know what you're talking about. I don't do any gambling in this state. Uh, I think we'll be the 50th state to to make it legal about 40 years from now, so no bookies around here. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: No, you're totally right. You're totally legit. When you do your gambling, it's for matchsticks, and I've always appreciated that about you. Uh, I want to talk about two things today. You guys, um, I do want to talk about Jared Lorenzen for a second, which is a little bit off the betting topic, but... You guys were close to Jared Lorenzen. And back when I was at ESPN, um, we did a story about Jared Lorenzen. Tommy Tomlinson did a story about Jared Lorenzen that the year that we commissioned it and published it, it was the most trafficked story we did on ESPN.com that year. It, um, no pun intended, just completely blew up. And I thought it was reflective of sort of how Jared Lorenzen lived his life completely honestly, but also sort of what a fascination he was as an athlete because he was so overweight and like the things he could do as a person that size being so nimble. Um, Tell me about your relationship with him and why you think he resonated so much for such a broad audience.
1: Yeah. You mentioned that story, which is incredibly well done, but you could do three different stories. One on Jared on the football field, one on Jared just in a room being the fun guy. And then a third on, Jared's fight with his weight loss. I mean, his entire life. We we keep saying he's larger than life figure. He's one of a kind as a football player. He was out there playing like he's you know in the backyard. One of my favorite plays. He's at Georgia. He throws the football over his head, which if it had not been completed, I'm sure he would have kicked off the team. Cause it was the most insane thing to do in a game. But that was just Jared out there having a blast. And then he was the same way off the field. Just a magnetic personality that could light up the room. And then of course. He had his struggles that have been well documented. Just an unbelievable guy, and I'm sitting here. I got a suit next to me from where I'll be going to his funeral soon. And honestly, it's been almost a week, and I, I can't believe we're having this conversation.
0: How did you guys become so close to him?
1: Uh, I'm about four years younger than Jared, so when he was uh, playing at UK, I was in high school. So I don't like to say I looked up to him, wanted to be him because I'm not that much younger. But I definitely, he was definitely my favorite player. And then as uh, KSR went on, and he finished his NFL career, he did some pre-game radio with us, and through that we became friends. And honestly, you know, a, a year of knowing him and working with him, I would still be sitting in the room like I'm sitting next to Jared Lorenzen. It was kind of surreal for a while, but as time went on, we became real close, always texting and goofing off about whatever football stuff was going on. Uh, just a great friend, and we really miss him already.
0: What was the best football story he told you, either about Kentucky or playing with the Giants or anything else?
1: <laughs> well, I have a good one that uh, actually pertains to what you all do. Uh, we did a special football podcast that was just Jared telling stories of uh, his Super Bowl title with uh, the Giants. And uh, I hate to tell him here, but since he kind of said it himself, he might have gone over and looked at the color Gatorade on the Patriots' side and texted some of his friends uh, what what color to bet on that year. No, uh,
0: no course, way!
1: Then, of course, the Giants go on to upset the Patriots, and his friend lost the bet. But uh, that's that's one of my all-time favorite Jareds I, I couldn't believe he admitted to it, but since he already put it out there, I got no problem retailing it. He was spying on the color of the Gatorade
0: for his gambling friends. But not only that, he was spying on the color of the Gatorade for the opposite team.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think he told them both colors, and they just assumed Patriots would win, so they went with it. And then, of course, they pulled the upset. So that's one of my all-time favorite Jarrett's. That is, stuff like that. He's just constantly out having fun.
0: I got to tell you, I'm so glad I asked that question, because that is the most perfect story to tell on this podcast about Jarrett. I'm actually
1: wondering if I should have kept that to myself, but it's out there now. So It's out there. Jarrett? Jared was tipping people off on the Gatorade back in that famous Super Bowl.
0: That is that is phenomenal. What do you think? Um, do, what do you think Jared Lorenzen would think of what Kentucky did last year and what their prospects are this year? Uh,
1: I'm I'm glad Jared got to see all that happened last year because obviously best season in 30 years. They win 10 games, but. That Florida streak weighed on him a whole lot because in, I want to say 2003, I believe, he was the quarterback when they blew an 18-point lead in the fourth quarter. He threw an interception that basically gave Florida the game. And though he kind of plays it off, that weighed on him a lot that that streak just kept building up and building up and building up because he knew he had a beat, you know, decades ago. So then for him to see it last year when they finally got the win at Florida, uh, he did a periscope of his reaction immediately after the game. He was just watching home by himself. But, I mean, he's screaming almost in tears watching that uh, that streak snap. I and mean, then for them to go on and win that Citrus Bowl, it was just a great season for it to be the last one Jared will ever get to see because I know how much it meant for him to see that football program turn it around. All
0: right, so you know SEC football, obviously, and and you and Matt do a phenomenal job covering college football uh, for KSR. Um I want to talk about the SEC for a minute. I do want to start with Kentucky because the projections for them, probably anywhere from five to six wins, depending on where you're looking right now. Uh, At the Action Network, uh, Colin Wilson has them projected for 5.45 wins and only two conference wins. Where are you coming in on that, Drew Franklin?
1: Uh, I mean – Take my money. I'm all in on the over. I, I try not to be a homer when I'm looking at gambling here because, you know, grow up a U.K. fan, I'm always leaning on the positive side. But when I look at that schedule, they're four, they have four non-conference games that I think they could sleepwalk through and win. They have Toledo, Eastern Michigan, UT Martin, and Louisville at home. And Louisville's only, you know, fight. They were terrible last year. So I think right now before you even kick the ball off, they have four wins. The only one I see that is counted as loss is at Georgia. So that leaves seven games to win two to just hit six wins. And a lot of those I'm almost willing to call coin flips. You have Missouri at home, Tennessee at home. You go at Vanderbilt, which should be a win. I would set this line more at seven. And that's not even me being overly optimistic as a U.K. fan. I I can't believe it's low in some of these places, so low at I've seen six. You just mentioned some had five. I, I can't even believe that.
0: Well, listen, Colin Wilson is going to come on later, has Missouri at nearly nine and a half wins.
1: I believe Missouri is going to be very good. Uh, but when you when you just need Kentucky to win a couple to hit the over and you've got Missouri at home, Missouri might even be favorite of that game. But they're not going to be double-digit favorites. I think it's a close game either
0: way. All right. Um, the other teams I want to discuss. Wait, one thing. What makes you so high in Kentucky? Like to me, they're an interesting team because they were so good last year. They're one of those teams where, like, people get excited to root for teams the following year because you want to see new blood in football. You want to see a team like Kentucky. They had such a dramatic season last year. What makes you feel like they are better than advertised?
1: I think it's easy for some of the outsiders who don't follow as closely as we do, live here in Lexington, to just look at it and say they lost Josh Allen and Benny Snell, two of the best ever. They have to take a step back, and they will take a step back, but the, the backfield coming in behind Benny is very good. It will be a drop-off, but they're going to be an exciting bunch. It won't be a huge drop-off. I think Terry Wilson, at quarterback, now that he's got a season under his belt, is going to shock some people. I think he can be a star. The linebackers replacing Allen are good. None of them are Josh Allen, but it's a good group. My only concern where I think the under could hit on this win total is the secondary is going to be very bad. So uh, I'm ready for UK to get beat, beat a lot. But I think at every other position, they're still going to be a very good team.
0: All right. You've got some neighbors down there. Tennessee. Tell people what you told me before we started the podcast.
1: Uh, well, I have thoughts about Tennessee. Uh, I, I wasn't sure what their win total is looking at right now. But I told you that no matter what it is, I will go under. I don't care if their one total is one. I will take under one. that That's how I feel about the Tennessee football program.
0: You must explain yourself.
1: Well, they're obviously going to lose to Kentucky. <laughs> uh, even their trash non-conference games, I think they'll lose to. They might be able to sneak off a hell Mary on Citadel, or whoever they play in the first game of the year. But this is more of my hatred of Tennessee. I wouldn't encourage anyone to follow my opinion here.
0: What is your personal animus for Tennessee? Tell me about the rivalry.
1: Well, my whole life I watched Kentucky lose to them until just fairly recently. And then my own father is a Tennessee fan who, when I left town to go to the UK, he turned my uh, old bedroom into a Tennessee room and painted it completely orange. So anytime I would go home to visit, I would have to sleep in that mess. So really, my whole life it's been hatred of Tennessee and it will continue to be that way. Nothing will ever give me a change of my mind on the Vols.
0: I think I love your dad.
1: Oh, he he had a checkerboard blanket, orange walls, even the TV remote had a T on it. Uh, the first time I slept in there, he snuck in and took a picture and sent it to Matt, so I had to start sleeping in the hallway. But yeah, I, I've been getting trolled by my Vols fan dad for a long time.
0: Why does he love Tennessee? Did he go there?
1: Uh, he was a Kentucky fan, uh, born and raised Kentucky, went to Western Kentucky. I guess he just liked that puke orange or wanted to be a troll, but he, he switched probably when I was about eight or nine and... He's all out. He's even got the big T on the hood of his truck, and he's that kind of fan.
0: So when you walk into your room and you see it painted in orange and you've got like the checkerboard blanket and stuff... Was not he, happy. Was he with you? What happened? What is he, I'm trying to think of like what's the meanest joke I've ever played on either of my sons, and I don't, think it, I don't think it stacks up to that. So give me your reaction and how he played it for you.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I live... It's about a three-hour drive when I was at UK, so I wouldn't visit a whole lot, probably four or five times a year. And I guess maybe it was Thanksgiving one year, because the game was right around that time. I uh, did my normal trip home, and little did I know, he had completely remodeled the room that I would be sleeping in for the weekend. And that was the last time I slept in there.
0: Seriously? You never slept in there again?
1: He, no, always on the couch. He, he's the guy that wears those ugly checkerboard pants everywhere. I mean, he, he'll throw an orange wig if it's a big game. He's that kind of idiot.
0: God, SEC football is the best. It is just fin- – you really don't get that anywhere else. I, I, you do not get – you know, you do not get people doing that in the ACC. You don't get people doing that in the Pac-12. Maybe you get it a little bit in the Big Ten. But that is, that is a decidedly SEC uh, characteristic.
1: Yeah, I mean, one week out of the year – SEC football makes me hate my own father, and I'm not proud of that. But, I mean, he started it, so it's going to continue to be that way. Basketball, I tolerate him a little bit more. I can, I can just let it slide. But that week leading up to the football game, we're enemies.
0: Is he the one that got you into betting?
1: Uh, no, he didn't. That. I, I do did bet on my own. He doesn't even understand how any of that works. I, I've tried to brag to him about a couple bets, and I'm um, speaking another language to him.
0: Right, give me another take here. I want to hear your take on Alabama. I know you've got a hot take on Alabama
1: well what what do we have them set is it, Are they at eleven eleven and a half? let's
0: what's say what's it's it? uh let's say it's eleven
1: I'm going uh I think they win ten. I don't know which ones they'll lose Oh, they go at a and m they go uh they go to Auburn. believe they have LSU at home, but I'm just playing the odds of they've been too good for too long, if someone finally has to upset them when it's not expected. so I'm putting them at ten wins this year. I don't know which two they're losing, but it's just bound to happen because they've been too good every year. And someone will knock the boss. Two someone's. Drew, that probably is probably at A and M, and I don't know. I hate to say at Auburn. Maybe LSU beats them at home.
0: That is awful analysis.
1: Hey, I, I'm I'm just playing the number every single year. I know they're the best team, and they reload all the Clemson. And it's kind of past them. I, I'm a believer. At some point, they have to lose a game that they're not supposed to. I don't care who's to maybe, maybe it's Tennessee. Probably not, but they're bound to lose a game that Nick Saban wasn't supposed to lose. I can't even think of a time they've been upset in the last couple of years.
0: What or is even, uh, yeah. what what is what is worse for you? Kentucky, Kentucky, winning. No, I, let me think. Let me think. The phrasing here. I want to know, like, would you rather Alabama lose? But what if they lose to Tennessee?
1: Oh, I don't even plant that seed in my head. If Tennessee were to upset Alabama, and I like Alabama, I, I actually root for Alabama, not like a bandwagon picking Kentucky basketball, Alabama football, but I pull for the SEC outside of Tennessee. I, I can't fathom a scenario where I have to look my father in the eyes when Tennessee just upset Alabama and Brian Dennett's stadium this year. Can't even wrap my head around that possibility. But I do think someone upsets Alabama when, we, when we're not expecting it.
0: All right. Well, listen, that might be of the, of the takes you gave me. I can buy Tennessee, I can buy Kentucky, I'm glad your dad trolled you, I think that's an amazing Jared Lorenzen story, Um, but I'm not buying the Alabama.
1: I bet they lose at Starkville.
0: I'll bet you right now.
1: (laughs) What kind of odds you giving me? I kind of threw that one out of the hot take. Uh,
0: Well, let's just, you're saying they're going to lose, I'm saying they're going to win, we'll just bet it straight up.
1: All right, I got the Bulldogs. I hate Starkville. Maybe Alabama will walk in and see that town, and then uh, just come out and funk.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I'll I'll make. Let's say. Well, no, let's just do a straight up, one to one, there, buddy. One to one. That's what we're doing.
1: That that sounds like a terrible bet. I'm agreeing to, but I like you, so let's do it. Well, listen,
0: you haven't proven yourself to be the. Listen, you're sharper than Matt Jones, but what are <laughs> we saying here?
1: That's true. All right, go Bulldogs. <laughs> go, Joe Moorhead.
0: Drew Franklin, uh, Kentucky Sports Radio, at Drew Franklin KSR. Uh, that is a phenomenal Jerry Lorenzo story, and that was a gift from out of nowhere that I did not see coming. Thank you for coming on The Favorites, the podcast. Enjoy your tour of Kentucky.
1: I will try. Thanks for having me on. I love everything you guys do. All
0: right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. See you. As promised, up next, Action Network, college football analyst, expert extraordinaire, Host of the brand new Action Network podcast, The College's Podcast, uh, along with our friend Stucky, Mr. Colin Wilson. What's going on, man?
2: Thanks for having me on. I hope you sharpened all of your pencils and put them in your pocket protector, because we're going to get nerdy. We're going to have get a couple minutes to be nerdy here with some numbers.
0: Listen, I listened to the Action Network uh, podcast the other day. You had on Matt Lindman from Caesars the Bookmaker there. Uh, and it was amazing. Like, it is it is so deep into college football. It is pure passion. That's just uh-huh. what it is. It is like, it was like a guy who had been spending the past five months in a bunker watching every single thing he can watch on YouTube, up, <laughs> updating his rankings, updating, like, the rosters and depth charts, and just had a blast to finally let it out. Like, I, I just felt <laughs> like, I felt like you've had so much pent up. Emotion about the college football upcoming college football season that uh-huh. that was your first opportunity. So I encourage everybody go subscribe to the new Action Network podcast. Rate it, subscribe, review, uh, all that kind of good stuff um, to hear Colin and Stucky and a whole bunch of uh, other folks talking about big sports in uh, in the betting world. Welcome, welcome, Colin Wilson.
2: Yeah, and I would suggest everybody if you're interested in the win totals, the Action Network was. Uh, we just put out all of our win totals because people have been asking about them for a couple weeks. Those are now public and available for everybody. Uh, and not only does it capture the win total for every team, it captures the conference win total for every team. So a team may have like a certain win total overall for the season, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win a division. So those conference win totals are in there too. So it'll be you'll be fully prepared for conference odds when they come out.
0: I just printed out the SEC win total. By the way, nice shilling. I printed out the uh, win totals and conference totals for the SEC um, today because I drew Franklin on earlier and I was using it as a reference. So um, give me two teams whose win totals you hate right now that most people would look at and say national title contenders.
2: I hate Ohio State and I hate Washington. And when I say hate, that means I'm using the money that I can to get under their win totals. And that is certainly in the face of a lot of people that I'm I'm hearing out there who love Ohio State. They love Justin Fields transferring in from Georgia. They love Ryan Day uh, as the head coach. So let me just start off with saying I've got them at 9.7. You can find 10.5 out there. You can find ten. But I just don't think there's any way that this is getting to 11. I, they got a big deduction in my power ratings for second-order win totals, which is really kind of a way of looking at teams and saying, well, you won the game by three, but if you were given four turnovers, that's not really a win. Uh, Ryan Day, he babysit the team for three Saturdays last year. I mean, Urban Meyer coached the team all through the week, and Ryan Day really just kind of ran out on the field. They had an offensive plan. Uh, so we don't really know how good Ryan Day is. So they got a, a negative one for me. Uh, in their power rating for that because Urban Meyer, Stucky, and I talk about this all the time. We think that he was worth about two points to the spread and we think he's even bigger, uh, worth, worth more to Ohio State's PR in games like the Rose Bowl or the Big Ten Championship because he's just a big game coach, but now he's not there. Justin Fields, on the other hand, a quarterback, his odds of 10 to 1 at the Westgate to win the Heisman is just, I don't know where that number's coming from. He looked clunky in the spring game. He went four of 13. He didn't have many yards. He's throwing it over receivers, under receivers, left, right. He can't hit any targets. And there's news quietly circulating, especially with people in Vegas. Uh, We're all talking about how Justin Fields was given every opportunity to beat Jake Fromm at Georgia. He could never take the role. He could never take the job in practice. He didn't look good in garbage time. Uh, And now he's at um, Ohio State where they lose everything on offense, and I just don't know where the points are going to come from.
0: Well, that's such a good point, right? Justin Fields, yeah. who makes such a big deal about him transferring to Ohio State, could not win the job from a guy they were dying to move out of the, out of the quarterback position at Georgia.
2: They absolutely were. I mean, Jake Fromm, the knock on him two years ago was that, well, this kid can't convert third and eight. This kid can't. He's not an accurate passer. And they've got Justin Fields and they've got Jacob Eason. And Justin Fields is just there to hold a clipboard. Well, I got news for everybody. I mean, Jake Fromm is a much better value uh, uh, for a Heisman than Justin Fields ever is. And the other thing about Ohio State that I'll end on with them is that, yeah, they do return a ton on defense. But this crew was 115th in defending explosive plays last year. Think back to that TCU game when Urban Meyer was suspended. TCU had, like, 50-yard plays, like, every few minutes, and this same defense returns, and I'm supposed to expect them to all of a sudden be good against the rush and be good against explosiveness. Ohio State's not, and I just don't think think they're going to get over 10, and I've happily put my money on the under with these guys.
0: All right, so who's the other national title contender that you're off, that everybody's on? If
2: if you consider Washington a national title contender, are we considering the Pac-12? I guess... Assuming you make it through the Pac-12 with one loss, you should go to the college football playoff. But Washington at 10 is something that that number should be under, and we're already starting to see some of the books out there go to 9.5. And and, and Matt Lindemann and I got into this over on the Action Network podcast about how CG technology out in Vegas, they opened this at 10, and Matt threw 9 out there. Matt's power rating was the same as mine, which is 8.3 on these guys for a win total. Uh, Caesars threw out a 9. They didn't care that, that other places in shops in Vegas were at 10. And they had the lowest defensive returning production rating of any team in FBS. Of all 130 teams, Washington is the lowest. They finished 117th in special teams S&P+. Plus. I think that reflects on coaching. And look at this. We have another quarterback that was supposed to be Kirby Smart's uh, guy in, in, under center uh, that lost to Jake Fromm, and that's Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason didn't even win the job during spring practice. Uh, Jake Hayner was was supposed to be the backup, and he went 14-17 in the spring game. And if you're looking for an upset in week one, don't look any farther than Washington. They're taking on an Eastern Washington team that lost lost the FCS championship game to North Dakota State last year. Eastern Washington returns everybody. They can throw 70 points up on a really bad defense, and Washington returns zero experience on defense. Look out for Eastern Washington week one and Look, take the under on Washington.
0: What's the spread in that game going to be?
2: Uh, I, you'd, I, the only thing I have is Sagarin because the, the mix of FCS and FBS, really uh, the Sagarin ratings uh, get into that. And I would think that that line, looking at it right now, is probably going to be, with Eastern Washington returning everybody, 17 and a half.
0: Wow. So you're, you're calling a potential upset right now of Eastern Washington beating Washington.
2: I can almost guarantee I'll have money on Eastern Washington uh, in week one uh, with the spread, and, and, and I'll definitely have some money on the side uh, with, with Moneyline on them.
0: Oh, my God. Now I'm going to have money with Eastern Washington <laughs> on the money line. That's a no-brainer. I've never been more excited for Eastern Washington.
2: They're an exciting team. When you, when you actually get your eyes on them, some of these FCS teams can really put up points fast, and they're fantastic, and Eastern Washington's one of them. Can't play any defense worth a lick, but Jacob Easton can't throw the ball, so I think we're in good shape.
0: Oh, too bad there aren't any other uh, former Georgia backups that are roaming around for <laughs> over overvalued teams. Uh, but there is one game. There is one team in the SEC that uh, I feel like you have severely, potentially, overvalued. Mm. The Missouri Tigers.
2: Ooh, and that's supposed to be this. You know, For my alum from Arkansas, we have this made-up rivalry with Missouri. I don't know why they keep pushing it. It's not a real rivalry, but you're right. Missouri is I think fantastic. My number matches nobody else. I haven't seen anybody go... I haven't seen anybody put out a win total on standby that's over eight. I've seen eight in some places. That's what it's listed in Vegas, and that's what it's listed in Jersey. But I've got this number over nine. Uh, I would take this at eight. I would take this at eight and a half, and Let's talk about the transfer situation. Kelly Bryant comes in from Clemson. Uh, Obviously, uh, you know Missouri was able to win that battle with some of the other teams that were vying for him to play quarterback. Uh, They retained uh, their running back, Larry Roundtree. Missouri has four wide receivers that had 50-plus targets last year. Kelly Bryant has a ton of weapons. Defense was seventh in rushing S&P last year, uh, and they get their top linebacker back, Cale Garrett, who accounted for 15% of the team tackles. And they return their top five defensive backs uh, in, in the secondary, which is great. Their non-conference schedule is filled with teams that are incompetent on offense. We're talking Troy, West Virginia. That's a, that's a Will Greer-less West Virginia. We're talking Wyoming and, you know, the powerhouse of Southeast Missouri. Uh, it's, it's really a, a really easy schedule. Um, you know, as far as uh, conference play goes, they got the two worst teams in the West, which is Arkansas and Ole Miss. Um, Missouri over eight. They've got all the weapons. They're going to make a run. They have a chip on their shoulder because of this bull ban, which I think is going to be lifted at some point. But Missouri over eight,
0: definitely. How how, how much does it hurt you to say that Arkansas is the worst team in the West? I am
2: actually sitting in Fayetteville right now, and everybody's drinking the Kool-Aid. They think we can get six wins. The over and under, by the way, is five and a half, which I think – the Arkansas. The problem is is Arkansas' schedule. Portland, listen to these. Listen to these teams: Portland State, San Jose State, uh, Colorado State, uh, Western Kentucky. I mean, I would love to slam under five and a half, and I'd love to, you know, I'd love to have more money uh, going against Arkansas. But Chad Morris does have his old quarterback from SMU back, uh, Ben Hicks. He was a successful quarterback when Chad Morris was down there. Uh, they did play actually some pretty de- uh, decent defense last year. So it's, it, it, you know, their number came out around five, so it's not really, uh, for me, I'm sorry, the number came out around five, which isn't good enough for me to take an underbet on them. But we're terrible. We're a baseball school now. We, we took pride, uh, you know, showing my age here. We were in the Southwest Conference, and we were number one and two with Texas every year in college football. Monster rivalry, Richard Nixon showing up to the, the game of the century in 1969. Uh, Arkansas football is everything because we don't have any pro sports. We don't have NBA. We don't have NFL, we're Nebraska, we're Alabama. All we have is one team that we love, and it's embarrassing how much money that has been donated into this program, and you can't make a bowl, and you can't get the players, and you can't get everything that we need to be a competent team in the SEC. And frankly, I kind of sometimes wish we would move to the Big 12, because we geographically don't fit, and on football teams, on the gridiron, we don't fit with the SEC.
0: How do you really feel about Arkansas right now? (laughs)
2: Well, I don't know. They ask me for a donation every year. I'm tired of donating $5,000 and then paying another $2,000 for my seats and for my parking passes and for my time. My time is what's really important. I mean, you go walk into a stadium. I I think that's the problem with college football these days is that everybody loves college football so much. But if you decide to take your family to a game, not only is it overly expensive, but you're missing – 128 other teams your time is just as important on a saturday so if i'm going to take time out to miss 128 other teams playing football you better give me a good product on the field
0: well listen i think most people are probably not watching all 128 other teams uh (laughs) that might be a specific excuse for you which is why which is why you can also go way off the radar and give me two teams uh two of the uh, other six that we've discussed um whose win totals you like. Uh let's mm-hmm. start with Texas State.
2: Love the Bobs. There's so much to love about the Bobs. They uh they got you know, they fired their their head coach uh and, and they brought in Jake Spavidall, who was the offensive coordinator at West Virginia. Uh he was mostly responsible for drawing up the plays for everything you've seen from Will Greer over the last couple of years and just the amazing work at West Virginia. That's all because of the head coach who's now at Texas State. But Jake Spavadol wasn't done there. I mean, even though he was an offensive coordinator, he decided to go and get Bob Stitt, who was the head coach at Montana. Now, on FCS levels, Bob Stitt is a really big deal. He's kind of a legend in the offensive coordinating world. Uh, he is the one who famously gave Dana Holgerson a fly sweep that West Virginia used with Tavon Austin in the 2012 Orange Bowl that scored 70 points. Uh, Dana Holgerson came out and interviewed straight after the game and said, I got that from Bob Stitt. Well, Bob Stitt is now the offensive coordinator at Texas State. Uh, it's a great – it's a perfect matchup because, coincidentally, the quarterback that Bob Stitt had at Montana had already transferred to Texas State. So you're bringing in an offensive coordinator, and you've got his, his quarterback from Montana, and that's who's going to be running the show at Texas State. Um, it's just – there's a lot of positives going on there, everything from second-order win totals, everything from net turnovers. Texas State is really going to turn it around in a sunbelt that has massive turnover this year. Scott Satterfield at Appalachian State, gone. He's moved up to Louisville. Uh, Neil Brown was at Troy. He's gone. He's at West Virginia. So the Sun Belt's going to look awful funky this year, and uh, some teams can make a jump, and Texas State's going to be one of them.
0: I love when you talk about completely obscure college football (laughs) teams in an obscure conference with coaches that nobody except for you and their new teams have heard of.
2: Bob Stitt is the man. I, I, I love it. I can't wait. They, if Texas State gets the five wins, uh, you know, it, it'll be a great investment. So it, I'm looking forward to them possibly making a bowl.
0: What about the East Carolina Pirates? impressed? you impressed by that, by the way?
2: Yeah. You knew that they were the Pirates. They, uh, it's funny. If you ever drive through North Carolina— uh, there are billboards up everywhere that says, this is the best team in North Carolina. And if this is, this is Carolina's football team. I don't think that is a bold statement with, uh, North Carolina, NC State, Wake, everything going on. But, uh, East Carolina, I, I loved it this year and I kind of feel like, uh, everybody's starting to catch on because win totals are out for all the teams now. And I had to fire on three and a half and I had to fire on over four and it, it was, uh, you know, it was quiet for a while, but now I'm starting to see that people are jumping on them. Uh, They got a bump for net turnovers, and they have a huge coaching upgrade. Uh, Mike Houston comes in from James Madison. James Madison is an FCS powerhouse. He actually won the FCS championship in 2016, uh, and he made it back to the championship in 2017. Uh, but they lost that year. But still, this is a guy who's on the rise, and, and he very much deserves to be at the FBS level. They have a great dual-threat quarterback that's coming in, one of the highest-ranked quarterbacks they've ever had at East Carolina. And look at this schedule. I mean, it's it's pretty – it's laughable. East Carolina's going to play Gardner-Webb. They're going to play William & Mary, two teams you might have not known that had football teams. Uh, so East Carolina should easily win those games. But after that, they're just – Hanging out, you know, they're they're playing teams that are in the cellar of college football. UConn, Old Dominion, Navy, Tulsa, all of these are winnable games. They got the head coach to do it. They have a great dual threat quarterback over four, easy money.
0: I'm going to throw one wild card at you. We we have not discussed this one, but last year, uh, the first weekend of the season, you and Stucky did a Periscope talking about college football and where the opportunities might be, and you handicapped – SUNY Stony Brook and you talked about SUNY Stony Brook as if they were the Alabama Crimson Tide. Mm-hmm. So give me your take on SUNY Stony Brook right now.
2: SUNY Stony Brook actually has uh, one of the lowest ranked uh, schedules uh, of all of all their conference uh, of who they played. One of their, con- their conferences is actually uh, ranked 11th or 12th, I think, in, in all of their divisions. So, Uh, They have an easy schedule. Uh, Their returning production is mid-tier, so I'd expect them to put up exactly what they did last year.
0: So what do you think of their uh, season win total?
2: I'll put them at six. If a book wants to get get brave enough to put out a five and a half, I'll happily take an over on SUNY Stony Brook.
0: I mean, the fact that you had a take on SUNY Stony Brook makes me ask you this. The last (laughs) question, the last question, Bringham young university. Yes. Talk to
2: uh, me. If you don't love BYU this year, then I don't want to know you. So I, I love BYU. <laughs> uh, I I, <laughs> I have some friends that went to BYU, so I'm, I might have to wear some gear and hopefully I can get away with it. But, uh, yeah, so Kalani Satake is the head coach there. He's a former defensive coordinator at Utah, and he was kind of on the hot seat last year, uh, you know, trying to find some, some offense. This BYU is having some of the worst offensive uh, uh, stats, success rates and, and explosiveness, they were just terrible in all of, all of FBS football. And uh, that all changed last year when a kid named Zach Wilson came into quarterback in the midseason. Um, I have them at 8.1. Their win totals at six and a half. Uh, I would suggest get again at six and a half. I would take it at seven. Um, you know, and they always play an extremely tough schedule. But that's already baked into the number. And I'm not really worried about that because they went to Wisconsin last year and beat a very hyped Wisconsin team. BYU, I think this, this will kind of surprise people. BYU was the number one team in the nation defending explosiveness in 2018. And you may ask, how good was that team in defending explosiveness? They were number one last year. But of all the teams in college football over the last four years since the beginning of 2015, BYU put up the best defensive ISO PPP rating in all of those four years. That's what they did last year, and they returned most of that defense this year. BYU is where explosive teams go to die. Now, back on the offensive side of the ball, Stucky and I started making a whole bunch of money on BYU in the middle of the year. That Wisconsin win was not a fluke. Uh, They started covering towards the end of last season. November was great for them. They got to the Potato Bowl. And for people that don't remember the Potato Bowl, Zach Wilson, the quarterback, went 18 for 18. He had 317 yards, four touchdowns, and zero interceptions. They are fantastic. They are great at stopping explosive plays, and they have a wonderful quarterback who loves to throw it to the tight end, to his running backs, to the wide receivers. BYU is a must-watch this year, and they're an over six-and-a-half play.
0: Colin Wilson, your obsessiveness makes me care.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I have to live up to the nerd, right? You can't get an engineering degree and then be called a nerd. I, don't, I, have to, I have to make sure I bring the, num- bring the numbers and um, sound dorky.
0: You are my nerd. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the podcast. Wars?
2: You got any WWE or Star Wars for me?
0: No, today we're going to wait. We're going to wait for the next movie to come out, wait for the next WWE Raw. Uh, but I have no doubt that as you did with Game of Thrones, um, you will find a way to sneak in some pop culture bets along the way. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on the podcast, brother. Great work, as always. Go check Colin Wilson out at the Action Network. Download the free app. Listen to him in the Action Network podcast. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Chad. All right, I want to thank Drew Franklin from Kentucky Sports Radio for coming on and giving us the best Jared Lorenzen story in the history of sports betting. I also want to thank Colin Wilson, college football expert for the Action Network, coming on, talking about his favorite season win total bets. This has been The Favorites, the podcast. Download it from Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review. Download it from radio.com slash Action network until next time love you